Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Bright Headed Publishing Patio Book Book Club. My name is Kelly Morgan, and I am your host. I am very excited today because I have another fantastic author um, with me today, and I love to speak with other authors and and hear their work and really um, help them promote their book. So I'm really glad that uh, this um, spectacular author could be on with us. So I'm going to tell you all about her, and then we'll talk with her, and we'll talk about her book as well. So uh, Tahani Saeed is an author and relationship columnist who offers uh, women logical resolutions, methods, and suggestions to accomplish a positive outcome in their relationships. Although Tahani understands human needs and desires regarding the way we interact, connect, and behave with ourselves and others, she does not believe that one needs companionship in order to attain happiness and thrive in life. And that is so very important. Um, Because she loves to write and it's a passion, she actually landed a position writing for Yandy Smith of VH1 Love and Hip Hop, Everything Girls Love magazine. She's also a host and she's a creator of a new show called Bedroom Busters and Bites. So she has all these wonderful things going on and she's an author. And her book, which is absolutely wonderful and and we'll definitely get into it, is called Less Now, Cry Later. So I want you to uh, welcome this fabulous author, Tahani. Thank you so much for being with, with me here today. How are you? I'm wonderful. Thank you for having me, Kelly. I really appreciate it. It's an honor to be here speaking with you. You have so many great accomplishments. You are a public speaker. You have made public appearances at churches and fundraisers and events. You've been in magazines. You've been on shows. And your mission is to help women with self-love. And that's so important. And so just thank you for taking that on. You know, it 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 is rare and it's so important that we try to always put the crown on somebody else's head right right so you know thank you for doing that so tell me tell me about you and and how you came to where you are right now in in your life as an author and a host and all these things you have going on so kind of give us an idea about you and your journey um well i actually did not um recognize my passion for writing until the sudden death of uh, my cousin. She was 19. Um, I was 16 at the time and she passed away in her sleep. Um, That was actually one of the most um, traumatic events I've ever experienced in life because prior to her passing, um, the week prior to that, she had wanted me to stay. She lived in New York and I was in Virginia and she wanted me to spend the night with her, spend the whole you know, week with her. And uh, unfortunately I had to work. So um, I couldn't you know, spend the week with her, but that following week um, was my 16th birthday. So can you imagine um, going to a funeral on your 16th birthday of your, you know, your favorite cousin? So um, I was just like, hit with emotions that I just, I just can't even describe. And um, I needed a way, like an outlet to um, 
to release those emotions. And someone recommended that I wrote that I write a letter to her and kind of like make it in a way where she went away for a little while, you know, just on a journey, but you know, she'll be returning and tell her all of the things that I want, you know, that I, I wanted to tell her, but I didn't get a chance to. So um, I came up with my very first poem and my very first poem was titled Shani. And that was her name, S-H-O-N-Y, Shani. And I just sat down one day at my desk and I can remember just pouring my heart out and just every emotion that I felt, I put onto that piece of paper. And then I actually took the events that happened and created my first poem. If you like, I can share it with you. I would love to hear it. I mean, if okay. you have it, I would love yeah. to hear it. It's it's writing is therapeutic and a lot of a lot of people write through their pain. I write through my pain. Mm-hmm. So I I can relate to with what you're saying right now. I'd love to hear it. Please. Yeah. Um it's titled Shani. That's her name. And it goes like this. Loving and caring like a mother is to her child. A girl who lost life. She was crazy and wild, so sweet and brave, too young for a grave. Her heart stopped beating as she slept and lay on one Tuesday morning, sunny and bright, not knowing she wouldn't see that Tuesday night. I wonder if she knew how much she was loved and how much she was missed when the man from above came down and took her life from her body and whispered in her ear, come with me, Shani. I miss her so much, her hugs and her kisses, and the way she would laugh at my jokes and my disses. I can remember the last time I said goodbye, not knowing that seven days later she would die. I miss her so much, I truly do. And I wish I would have said more often the words, I love you. Wow. Thank you so much. That is absolutely beautiful. And that was your first poem? My very first poem. That so I was it then that you realized that you had a gift? I, right then and there, I realized I had a gift because I actually submit. My mom actually forced me to submit it to this um, big contest with, uh, you know, poets. And I won. But the only thing about that is that they wanted to, me to sign over the rights to that poem and... I just, I couldn't because that poem just meant so much to me. And I'm like, you guys don't even know who she is. Like, you know, and I just, I I just couldn't. But, you know, prior to that, I was always a big fan of Donald Goins. My dad would always give me all of his Donald Goins books and um, Terry McMillan. And, you know, I've, I've always enjoyed reading. And I actually have to admit, I enjoy reading a lot of crime and mystery like true crime like um helter skelter you know charles manson and mm-hmm. things as such like um well uh i read john wayne gacy's story so i was always into reading just so many different types of books so that's when i realized that you know what hey i'm onto something here but that poem right there is what really made me realize that i had a passion for writing and that you know um, writing was something that was therapeutic for me yeah that was a catalyst for you mm-hmm. um to figure out that you have a gift and i think that a lot of poets start off not knowing that they're poets 
Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Until yeah. they start really, and most people will journal, mm-hmm. not realizing, and then that journal turns into a book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's very interesting how it all becomes. So I have some questions for you. Sure. Um, just just as an author before we get into your book. So um, one of the things that I've learned as an author, and the funny thing about that, let me go back. When was your book published? Mm, oh my gosh, this is a long journey. My book was published the first time in 2008, and I actually self-published. Um, I self-published with Author House, and um, I actually exhausted my whole savings account. Wow. Yes, um, to go with Author House. Um, The book came out. Um, I was so happy to see that it it made it to Borders Books, which was, I missed Borders because they were a huge... um, Mm, Yeah, they're gone now. They they, they supported a lot of colored... um, or, you know, African-American, whatever you like to identify yourself as, um, called, you know, authors. So um, I was happy to see that, but I knew that the story I had, um, it deserved more. And I, and I just wasn't willing to just settle for print on demand. So that was in 2008. Um, I pulled the book from the shelves. I ended my contract in 2009 with Author House, and I was actually plugged in with um, an agent by the name of Maxine Thompson, um, a great friend of mine by the name of Trace Hickman, who happens to be an author, best-selling author, uh, hooked me up with um, uh, Maxine Thompson. And um, Maxine Thompson is also an author herself, best-selling author. She's done books for, um, oh my gosh, like uh, Cash Money. She wrote Evelyn Lozado's books. She does a lot of ghostwriting. So long story short, I sent her my manuscript and the first time she read it, she said, no, this isn't going to work. Okay. So she made me rewrite the book all over again. Second time I wrote it, she read it. Mm-mm. Nope. She said, if my name's going to be on this, this has got to be perfect. Rewrite it again. Third time I wrote it, she said, ah, it's okay, but I feel it could be better wrote it for the fourth time. And then that's when she said, you know what? I will take you on. I will be your agent and I will do everything I can to get your book, your book, you know, picked up. It took me six years. My first offer I got was from Zane. Um, Unfortunately, you know, that didn't go through because she was dealing with other issues. My second offer, um, she uh, pitched it to Carl Weber that didn't go through because he had a series on Netflix. So he had a lot of things going on. And then the, um, did I say that was the second one? Yes. Okay. The third um, all, the third publisher she um, presented it to was Wahida Clark. And Wahida was blown away. And um, she said, you know what? This is it. Absolutely. She took me with open arms, but it took a total of 11 years. Um, so the book set from 2008 all the way until um, 2019, um, yeah, 2019, which was last year, where it was actually published by Wahida and is now worldwide, um, comes in audio form, um, on all platforms, bookstores, everywhere. Congratulations. That you. is such a journey. And that leads me to one of my questions. Um 
when I started, when I decided to publish the first time, it was this year, 2000, oh, you know, 2020, okay. right? I had written lots of stuff, but never had the courage and ran into all types of problems, unethical practices. And it made me really want to, to try to help other people mm-hmm. who, are, who are trying to be published, right? Mm-hmm. It's such a struggle. So mm-hmm. my question to you is, what is one of the most unethical practices that you have found within the publishing industry? Um, sadly, I found that, um, Oh, you know, it, 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 it's, it's really sad. Sadly, I found that um, for people who are, who are already established, like established authors, they aren't really um, willing. And, and I'm not saying that, that they owe you anything because no one owes you anything. But I kind of feel like no one wants you to get ahead of them. So they will, you know, give you bit by bit but not the information that you could actually use and what could actually help, you know, get you to where you need to be in terms of getting that, you know, just getting that attention, just getting that exposure. Um, I I, I would like to say that Trace was kind enough, but I think that that comes with being confident with who you are. Right. They say what God has for you is for you. You know, so I can't tell you how many times I open an inbox um, or, you know, I I look in my DM and I see people ask me all the time, how did you get published? Can you hook me up with your publisher? Things like that. And, um, you know, I'm always, always willing to help others. But I do let them know that this is not a stroll in a park. It took me 11 years and you have to be very persistent. You know, whatever information I come across, I try to share with people, but Ultimately, it's up to you, you know, as an author, you know, or someone who is an aspiring author. It's up to you with how far you're willing to go, you know, because you have to put in that footwork. You have to. No one's going to do it for you. And I never expected for anyone to do it for me, but I just didn't know. Um, I just didn't know what to expect because I've had people approach me and say, um, hey, I would like for you, you know, to be a ghostwriter for me. And it it, it would be men and being a woman, you know, a female in this, you know, in, in this type of work, this line of work, you know, I've had men come up to me and say, hey, do you mind doing a bio on me? You know, I'll pay you or whatever. And the first conversation we'll have is, um, you know, totally the opposite of what they initiated initiatedly said what they wanted to speak on. Mm, So do you have a man? Are you married? Why aren't you? Nothing to do with what you approached me with from the beginning, brother. You know, so being a woman, you have to keep your guards up. But at the same time, you know, I want to help people. So now it's kind of like I I have, I have a, a process of elimination. I decide who's worth my time, you know, and I always refer people back to, um, David, uh, what is his name? I want to. I don't know if it's Dave. I can't remember. I want to say that is um, David Burns, if I'm not mistaken. But he gives. A, he has a guide to self-publishing. I mean, that's like the holy, you know, the holy book of of, of self-publishing. He tells you the ins and the outs and everything that you need to know in terms of publishing. So I hope that I said his name right. I, you know, I hope I hope that I did. But I always refer people back to him. And it's really important that people know where to go, especially now, today. Self-publishing has exploded. 
with social media and all the different platforms that are available, all the different companies that will quote unquote help you get published. Like you said, Author House, you exhausted your savings and, and you got in borders, you know? And so it's a, it's a really strange industry and I had no idea. I was under the impression that I would write this wonderful book bam it would get published and the money would like you know it'd be raining money yeah i'd be on a, i'd be on a book tour right now yeah it did not work out that way it doesn't all my hopes and dreams were dashed yeah. and it's and you have to be resilient if this is really what you want to do yeah it, it really is and, and and you know what you have to like like even if you may not have it you have to form that tough skin because let me tell you kelly i have a folder in my email of all rejection letters. <laughs> and I mean, when that could really, I mean, that could, that could really deter you. You know, if, if, if you don't have a strong support system and if you don't believe in what you have and just know that God knows what's best. And when you are, you know, in, 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 in receipt of that blessing, it's going to come when, when, when it's time. When it's time. You feel like, you know, oh, dad, it did. It, it will come in time when he says it's time. Yeah, I believe that. My I got a lot of rejections, and because of my rejections, I have this podcast. And if, if I wouldn't have been rejected, I wouldn't be here. So rejection is usually yeah. just you know, it's just redirection. That's I love that. You know, that's that's kind of my motto. I like that. I like so. I really want to get into your book. I, I really love this book from, from, I haven't read the whole thing, I will admit, but from what I have read, I will now definitely be downloading this to my Kindle and I will be finishing this book because from what I read, I love. So tell everybody about your book and let's, let's get into it. Okay. Well, I just want to say yours is on its way. It has been mailed. So you will be receiving this hard copy. Or I am so excited because yes. I cannot wait. I love yes. a hard copy book. Yes. I do. I love the feel of a book. It, I mean, it's nothing like it. I mean, I, I enjoy the e-books and stuff, but like this right here is like, this is home. It takes you back to what a book is supposed to be. Yes. So um, I can't wait to get my hands on that book, but let's get into it. So okay. tell everybody about it, you know, any, you know, where it's available and then let's get into it. Okay. Well, basically, um, the book is available worldwide. Um, Amazon, Borders, um, Walmart, Target, anywhere they sell books, this book is available. I'm on my website, of course. Um, and I do want to give a shout out to my publicist, who's amazing. She's on here, uh, Nicole Harris. I mean, I, I, I adore uh, Nicole Brown. I'm sorry, I, I adore her. She's just the best. She has been God since. So I do want to give a shout out to Nicole before I proceed. But this novel right here, Kelly, um, it covers every and anything that you could possibly imagine. Now, I say this all the time in a lot of interviews that I've done in the past, um, and, I, and, I, and I try to use this as an example. If I were a foreigner coming to America for the first time, and I wanted to know, well, what do you know black authors african-american authors colored authors what do they write about like what goes on in the african-american community um a lot of the books that i've read growing up and even now i noticed that a lot of them and not to throw shade at any author a lot of them focus on um the the negative things you know um because maybe that's sometimes that's that that's all they know but it always um reverts back to sex 
drugs, money, you know, um, uh, uh, what, uh, family issues or whatever. Okay, we have that, we go through that. You know, hurt, pain, it, it doesn't discriminate. Every family goes through situations. I wanted to touch on things that occur and not only melanated or colored families, but that occur in families that are toxic, but that have now been made acceptable. You know, those things that we brush under the rug, like Uncle Henry molested me when I was eight years old. I told mommy, but mommy didn't do anything about it. Right. You know what I'm saying? Um, mm -hmm. People are still out here having sex without protection. You know, people are still getting infected with HIV. You right. have men who are walking around who are supposed to be straight, but in all actuality, they're sleeping with men. Okay? You have people who are suffering now more than ever from mental illness. But when you tell someone, hey, I see a psychologist, a lot of people look at you like you're crazy. What That's you something we do not do. Yep. But and you know, black people, we're not supposed to see mm -hmm. that. That's for white people. So right. um my book covers mental illness, it covers HIV, it covers domestic violence, it covers um alcoholism, drug addiction, infidelity, um, it covers everything. It's timeless. I wanted a novel that was timeless and that something that has been occurring for years and that a lot of people like to turn the blind eye to. So with this book right here, you have no choice but to confront whatever it is that's bothering you. You don't you don't have a choice because in this book, you're going to find a character that you can relate to or someone that you know. Mm. And that's what I wanted because we all go through certain situations that we're not comfortable you know, about speaking about. We're not we're not comfortable about speaking on certain things. And when we do speak on these things, sometimes the people that we tell will use these things against us. So that's why I feel that we all could speak to a therapist because a therapist's job isn't to judge you because what they usually do is just sit down and take notes. They'll give their input, you know, they'll give their input every now and again. But really it's about getting whatever it is off your chest you know, what's been bothering you because we hold so much stuff in. And I realized that, and, I, and I'm, I'm sure you've heard this before, hurt people hurt. And sometimes we don't realize, and sometimes we don't want to admit that the decisions that we make in our life as adults always reverts back to our upbringing and what we've gone through as children and what we've seen or some of the or some of the things that we you know encountered, but we're too afraid to speak on. So I'm tired, and I was tired of toxicity becoming the norm, and that's unfortunately what our generation is seeing. Wow! So I had the opportunity to read the prologue, which I thought was I, I was captivated. 
um, just in the first page. It made me want to turn the page to the next page and so forth and so on. Mm -hmm. And so tell me about this beginning of this book, just that the opening of the book is powerful. So tell, tell us about that. Um, you know, it's so, it's so funny that you said that because I've had people DM me and say, you know what? I love you, sister. I think you're an amazing woman, but after reading the prologue, I didn't want to continue because I have children. You know, I have daughters that was, you know, the age of Sadia, and uh, I just couldn't imagine. And um, although I respected how they felt, I did feel like it was another form of turning the blind eye. Because you know what? You may not have wanted to read it, but what you need to understand is that these type of things go on and you need to be aware of that so that you know who you're putting your children, you know, in the circumference of who people, you know, you need to know the people your children are around. Long, you know, long, long story short. Um, it, I can see where it would make people uncomfortable. Right. Right. To the point where they really don't, want to maybe find out what happens to this little girl you know what they read was enough right to the point where they're like I'm done Um, it it was a lot but it was so well written for me I wanted to find out more what happened to her I was concerned about this little girl in just a few pages that I read so in order for me to get wrapped up in a character that quick I have to say it was well written so I thought the prologue just it it sucked me in Mm -hmm. and uh it's it's powerful which brings me to a question I want to ask you when did you realize that your words had power when did you realize that you could actually strike emotion with your words was it the poem was it really after the poem when did you really be like "Mm, I can do this um I think that from just growing up and, and just seeing a lot of things like like as a child and seeing the mistakes that, that, that people made and then even going through my own trials and tribulations, you know, as a child, um, I, uh, I, I had to actually take a step back. And that's what I was saying earlier. Um, in order to really get into character and to really be able to express your emotions and such a such a. Let me see. I'm trying to find the right word. In such a way where it's it, it's just so, so, so visual. You know, I had to put myself in a position of being a young child, being abused. You know, that, that has happened, obviously, you know. You know, I mean, I think that we all can look back at situations, you know, as females, you know, and, 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 I, and I can speak for myself. And I can say, you know, now that I'm looking at it, hey, that wasn't right. You know, right. what happened, That that's not normal. Like, I shouldn't have been sitting on such and such lap at that age. And, you know, I feel like, you know, I was taken advantage of because of my age. And, you know, it wasn't nice for Uncle, you know, X and S to, to, to smack me on my behind. That's not normal. So what I did was I put myself back in the mindset of a eight year old or however old she was. And then I, I, I allow for those emotions that I felt at that time, which I like to consider visiting the past pain. And I, I allow for those emotions to come out. 
You know, I didn't reject it. I accepted it. This is what happened. This is what went on. But then that's when I threw that creative fiction in there, you know, because I wasn't wearing a yellow dress at the time, you know, but I mean, you know, hey, right. he had a yellow dress on. I wasn't leaning my jellies in at that time, but that's what she was doing. So what I really try to do is paint a picture of a child that was afraid based off of my emotions and what I've gone through, you know, because I want the people to, you know, to see that. I want it for people to feel what she was feeling, dig into yourself, that inner child. And how would you feel if you were left by your mother, you know, with an uncle, you know, who had these, um, you know, these, 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 these terrible plans, just, just, just these demented, just plans, you know, for you when your mother leaves. And then it, and then it makes you question, well, does mommy love me? Because if this is happening to me, I wonder if mommy went through the same thing and did she brush it under the rug? You know, so right. so many questions, you know, that I wanted to get, I, I, I wanted to like really raise a lot of questions for my readers. I wanted for them to become engulfed in that. I wanted them to immediately find um, a sense of like sympathy for Sadia. No matter what happens to her as the book goes on, you know from the beginning, this is a child who was abused. So now you understand that if she does happen to get into a toxic relationship, we can always go back to the reason as to why. Because she was abused. And this is all she knows. Or this is what she feels she deserves. Right. So that's what... So in the book, who who is your protagonist who's the main character in this in this book um i love that question oh my gosh kelly i love that question because you know what most people right now would tell me that i'm bipolar if i told you that i am every one of those characters i am sadia i am mel i am natalia the cheater I am Lamar, the bisexual. I am um, the mama Sharon who's strong. I mean, a, a little bit of me is in each and every last one of these characters. And the person that I, I've always been compared to the most was Sadia, is the person who, you know, you've read the in, in the first, you know, the prologue. Um, but I would have to say that um, my male alter ego because, you know, we all have a mean streak, would definitely be Mel, who's a womanizer. Um, and, and, and I'm just keeping it real. I'm, I'm just being real. You know, because, you know, as humans, it's human nature to, to push the envelope and to see how far we would go, you know, or to see how far a person would allow for us to push them. We want to see how far a person is willing to bend over backwards for us. And I've been that person, you know, before. Um, as Natalia, I've been a bully. You know, I, I, I've, I've had my my times and my days where I, where I've bullied someone just because I know that they're going to allow me to do that. But who I would say I um, relate to the most would probably be Sadia um, because I've been in, you know, toxic relationships and I've always been um, always trying to um, help people, just thinking that 
my love and my loyalty will be enough for them to want to turn their life around and say, you know what? I have a great woman at home. I'm not going to lose her. It took me a long time to realize that um, the issue wasn't me. That was something that was long, you know, long, long ago, way before I even came into the picture. So I would say it is Sadia because um, like Kirk Franklin say, we fall down, but we get up. But Sadia has fallen several times. She's gotten back up and then fell again. And, and got back up again. Yeah, and got back up again. And with a lot of my reviews, I see a lot of people were very flustered. They were very upset with me. Because they're like, I don't understand. This man is doing this. And she still keeps on giving him. A, like, I mean, not everyone is strong like that. You know, not every, it takes a couple of bumps and bruises before someone can finally come to the decision that they deserve more. So I wanted for people to have that, that, have that sympathy and, and compassion for her and understand why she, she's doing these things, what she came from. You see, but that's how you know people really care about your characters. You know, in most books that are fiction and even like in movies, the somebody who is the, the villain, I would say, gets what's coming to them. Mm. But that's not necessarily in real life, mm-hmm. right? That's mm-hmm. why people tend to like movies and, you know, you know, because in the movies, the villain always gets what's coming to them. And if your book isn't necessarily like that, again, it can make people uncomfortable. But it's thought-provoking because the villain doesn't always get what's coming to them. There's lots of villains in the world that are just doing just fine. That's right. That's right. That's, <laughs> right? right. That's true. And yeah, so true. they don't always, but but society would make us believe that they always get what's coming to them. And mm-hmm. they necessarily don't always pay their consequences right. when you're a villain. Yeah. At least right? not in this lifetime. Right. So that's another. And so when you make your, when people reach out to you, you know that you've hit You've, you've touched something in them. It's mm-hmm. thought-provoking. Because mm-hmm. they're asking you, I don't understand why the villain isn't getting what the villain should get. Mm-hmm. Because the villain's supposed to get what the villain gets. And you're like, well, not this time, huh? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> Sorry. You won't. Yep. And, and, and that's, and that's, and like, you know, that's one of the things that I've, I've read. Like, when I, because I, I go on Amazon, you know, time, you know, from every now and again, I go on Amazon and I see that a lot of people say, I hate Natalia. I hope she gets what's coming for her. You know, I don't understand why her husband keeps, you know, keeps on taking this abuse. And that's another thing, too. Um, one of the characters in the novel, he's actually Caucasian. And instead of him being the one who's the abuser, he is the abused. So that's another thing I threw in there. And, you know, ra- you know, interracial dating, racism. So everything you can imagine is in that book, Timeless. The book, I say, is, is just timeless. And it was written back in 2008. So, I mean. So let's get into chapter three, because that's where um, I think we are first introduced to Natalia. And from what I read, um, she seems to have a problem. You know, you've got weight in there. Husband's overweight. She's not pleased with how he looks, but he is the one paying all the bills, correct? That's right. That's right. Yep, that's right. Um, you know, and and so she's from- there just for the money, and that's why that's why people don't like her, right? Because she's there for the money. 
That's all she's there for. She she she's there for the money. I don't know if I um I don't know. Did, did I mention Lamar in that? I may be giving it away, but I, but I do have it in the synopsis. She's actually sleeping with his assistant, Lamar. Wow, wow. And so that that when when I read the first um, couple of paragraphs, and I could see that she had everything she wanted, but she was dealing with this man that she really didn't want to deal with, right? And she's there just for the money. Yeah. Again, she, you know, I'm thinking to myself, you know, this woman is a villain. Mm -hmm. Is she a villain though? You know what I'm saying? She sounds like a villain, but I don't, I don't know her well enough at this start in the book to really understand what her motives are. And I'm sure you get into what her motives are. I do. I, I get into what her motives are, but then like I always try to do or, or, or what I made it, um, like this, it's, it's, it's imperative that before you hate the person, I want for you to understand what they came from and what made them become who they are. So, you know, with Natalia, I do, you know, get up, get into, you know, the novel a little later on how her mother, um, Phyllis, who happens to be an alcoholic, how she humiliated her, um, you know, uh, to the point where Natalia never felt like she had control. Like Natalia has been working since she was 15. She worked at a gas station. And every time she got paid, her whole entire paycheck went to her mother. You know, and um, at one point in time in the story, Natalia was asleep. She was 15 and um, her mother woke her up. And her mother never referred to her as Natalia. She always called her the B word. She's probably remembered her mother calling her by her first name, maybe once or twice. Her father was totally out of the picture. She drags her outside into the living room where one of her mother's, um, well, one of her mother's many boyfriends um, is sitting, waiting. You know, they're smoking cigarette butts from an ashtray. Her mom's out of booze. And when she dragged her into the living room, her panties were halfway down. And when she stood up, she tried to adjust them. And her mother said, you leave them damn panties how they are in front of the boyfriend. And the boyfriend's looking at her up and down. And he, you know, she, she's grown, you know, she's 15. So, you know, she hasn't shaved. So she has hair, you know, and he's like, damn, you were getting so big. And her mom, you know, just left her standing there. And she's like, now B, go get my cigarettes. Didn't you just get paid? And that right there was just the platform for her to be. And and so we can kind of understand wow. why she is the way she is in yep. the book. Um, and again, it makes you just want to go out and read it. Mm -hmm. And so you, I read about Lamar in chapter nine. Ugh. And chapter nine was explosive. Let me tell you something. I, I was like, why is it over? Yeah. Why <laughs> why yeah. is chapter nine over? Where is chapter 10? Mm -hmm. Because I wanted to keep reading because mm -hmm. I was like, damn. Yep. Right? It shocked everyone. Yeah. They everyone was shocked. Everyone was shocked at that at that part right there. Um, and it's just that that book is full of so many surprises that I've had someone tell me they, they read it three times. And the first time they read it, they didn't go to bed till three o'clock in the morning and they had to work. That's how, and I have people right now who said that they're afraid to finish. They don't want to even finish the book. They just read like 
bit by bit by bit because they don't want it to end. But Lamar was just, um, that right there was like, even for me writing that, because you know, I'm sure you can understand Kelly, like when I sit down and write, I don't necessarily know what I'm going to say. It's like the words just come I just turned to a total different person and I would like to attribute that to God because I can sit down right now and just start writing. And I, I'm telling you, I'll go back and read what, I, what, what I've written. And I'm like, I wrote this. And it's just like, I just, you just transform into someone totally different. It's amazing. It is amazing. And so chapter nine is amazingly written. Let me start there. Thank like you. I said before, Dialogue to me is one of the hardest things to write, but it is one of the most funnest things to write It is um, because you can really get this full blown conversation going on in your head mm -hmm. when you actually become these two characters and what dialogue comes between them just comes That's from, right. from, I don't know where it comes from. Like you said, God, I don't yep. know where it comes from, but yep. I can imagine when I'm reading this, the dialogue just flows. So tell us about Lamar and and I, I want to hear his background and why he is the way he is because I'm interested in him as a character as well. Um, well, Lamar is a I think he's 21. He's Carl's assistant. Um, right now he's struggling with his sexuality. Um, his dad isn't around, so it's always been Lamar, his sister, and his mom. Um, he has these feelings for men. Um sexual of course but because of the way society looks down on you know well i think now we're, we're becoming more um open but i think the majority of us you know black people i'll say black men specifically aren't um they're, they're, they're not having it and um i think that's where he's struggling at because he feels Though he feels as though, you know what? I can have sex with the man tomorrow, but at the same time, I can go back to Natalia and have sex with her who happens to be my boss's wife. So mm -hmm. I'm not gay because if I were gay, I would only be with one person and that would be a man. But because I can have sex with this woman on a Monday and then turn around and have sex with this man on a Wednesday, it doesn't make me gay and it doesn't make me bisexual. I just like having sex with men from time to time. That's it. But at the same time, he doesn't tell anyone. You know, they both are kept secret from one another. So um, he's struggling with that. Um, he's struggling with the fact that he doesn't know who his father is. And he was literally raised by two women. You know, he grew up, he grew up in a home with two women. So he didn't have a male figure, you know, you know, there to, to help him. So um, I think that I think that that definitely definitely plays a part. But Natalia is the one that kind of keeps him. Um, I want to say like on the straight path, you know, in, in in a sense because even though she's older than him, um, I think she gives him just a little bit of leeway to still be a man. As to where he doesn't feel like he's being, you know, um, looked down upon. He isn't being. Um, you know, emasculated. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So she, she gives him that. Will, on the other hand, who happens to be his lover, wants more because Will is full out. He's, I mean, he's out there. He's gay. He's, there's no, there's no, there's no denying it. 
He wants more than what Lamar can give him. But Lamar is not ready to come out of the closet. Mm. And he definitely doesn't want his boss to know he's sleeping with his wife. Unprotected at that. He's sleeping with both of them unprotected. And that's a whole nother story. And I'm sure that you cover in this book. Oh, yes. This book is explosive. And I... I like books that I can play out the characters in my head and run it like a movie. This book, just in what I read, runs in my head like a movie. Oh, thank you. So, I mean, and and uh, I think it's fantastic. I, I cannot wait to get my hands on this book. So I know that in addition to being an author mm-hmm. of this wonderful book, which y'all are going to have to go get, you also got this other thing going on on YouTube. So tell me about this, because this really piqued my interest. What is that about? Tell us about it. About the bedroom busters and bikes? Yes, I want to hear about that. Okay, so um, basically, um, and actually this, this the picture right here that I have, this is actually me that I had... Um, Maya designer do. He turned it into a ca- a caricature, a cartoon character of me. Um, excuse me. I I, I wanted to um, because I'm a very family oriented person. So whenever I get around my family, we're always eating, we're always cooking, we're always laughing, and we're always having debates. So I said, you know what? Why don't I come out with the show that shows, you know, how we get down as a Saeed's like what were about you know and there's no script or anything like that you know my sister makes the best buffalo wings so one day i had a camera crew come in i said hey listen i want to do this i want to be in the kitchen with my sister having a regular general conversation while she's sitting here frying these buffalo wings i want four of my best friends or four of my family members sitting at a table right here and i want for them to engage in the conversation like for example she was really upset about when she got her tax refund and she wanted to know she said why in the hell am i paying all these taxes for people who don't want to get jobs you know so then you had people on the other end you know had their you know their own opinion and stuff and they're like listen how would you feel if you didn't have a job it said you know you would want assistance too so that kind of turned into like a debate and then another hot topic we had kelly was because I come up with um, topics based off of past articles that I've written. And one of the articles that I wrote was called Mama's Baby, Papa's Maybe. And that article basically was just questioning. If a man tells a woman, a married man tells a woman, I'm married, okay? You know the situation. If you get pregnant, I'm telling you right now, I'm not leaving my wife. I don't want to have anything to do with the child. Should the woman proceed with having the child? And if she does, should the man be held accountable if he told her off the break what it was? So we had four people, two people siding with each other, and then two people going totally against what these other persons were thinking. And I mean, it was explosive. And then you have my sister here who's cooking with me and she says, you know what? It's your own fault for being stupid. If the man told you you don't want no kids, you know what? You take care of the kid by yourself. So that was 
you know. Wow. I bet that was explosive because I'm sure everybody has an opinion. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, those types of topics, especially when they're organic, Mm -hmm. right? You know, Mm -hmm. you can really find out what people believe Mm -hmm. and it really sparks conversation, which I think is so badly needed. I Mm -hmm. think COVID taught us Mm -hmm. how we all lacked in conversation. Yep. Right. Because we're all in front of a screen and we don't talk. We don't talk anymore. That's right. Um, You know, we text. Yep. You know, we don't. But I think COVID made us all have to talk to one another. We have to. We have to. And, and, and you know, it was, it, it was so surprising to me, Kelly, because I thought, because we had, two, we had two, two guys and two females at the table. And I was actually shocked to hear the guys say, you know what? I don't think I should be held accountable. I was actually shocked because... We've never had conversations like this. So outside of this, I'm looking at these guys like, these are some great guys. Yeah. And I'm not saying that they aren't great, but just to hear them say that, I was just like, wow, like, wow. Like these brothers are serious, mm. you know? And they even admitted, they said, listen, I have a girlfriend. So if you're my side piece, Cause they, cause they weren't married. And, and if you happen to get pregnant and I told you from the beginning and you know, I have a girl, I'm not taking care of any baby. I don't care. And they stood on that. Wow. And unfortunately for them though, even though they don't want to be accountable, the courts and the law can hold you accountable. Yep. And that was another thing we discussed. Yep. That was you know, thing. that's a whole nother issue. And yep. you go down, you start going down these rabbit holes. And yep. so this is a show on YouTube. How often does it come out? Um, well, we film, um, well, we film once a month. Uh, we film four episodes in one day, which is typically on a Saturday. So, oh gosh, we start at seven in the morning and sometimes we finish by like one o'clock in the morning. So we, we do, we do seven, we do four episodes, um, uh, bedroom busters and bites so a lot of us are dressed in pajamas so it's a very warm atmosphere where we you know we'll have our little slippers our pajamas and um you know we'll, we'll make different things like i've made um for the holidays eggnog french toast we've had latin fried chicken we've had shrimp salad i mean we've had so many different recipes i've even had a youtube um star famous um, young man by the name of Young Pharaoh come on and um, he's known worldwide I mean he he's definitely doing his thing so it's a, a big shout out to him um, he came on he took a special trip to visit and he made his famous um, strawberry cream pie instead of banana cream pie he made I'm sorry strawberry pudding instead of banana pudding he substituted the bananas with the strawberries. So it was absolutely delicious. Um, I've never had that. I've never even heard of that. It, I bet you it was delicious. It was so good because he still used the banana, you know, um, pudding. You know, mm-hmm. he, still, he still used it, but he just didn't put the bananas in it. So we had the vanilla, you know, the vanilla, um, vanilla, the vanilla, right? I think it's called vanilla wafers. Yeah, the vanilla wafers. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we had those and the whipped cream and the straw. I mean, it was absolutely delicious. We had vegan tacos because he's a, a vegan. So, um, you know, we spoke about some very, very interesting um, topics. Like, for example, he believes in polygamy. 
So, you know, you have some women at the table who's like, I I'm not sharing my man. I'm sorry, that's just not gonna happen. And then you have my mom saying, listen, honey, whether you like it or not, at some point or another, you're gonna share your man. Whether or not you like it, whether or not you know it, it happens. You know, so I was just like, oh, you know. And at that time, I was like just getting out of a divorce. So I'm just like, oh, good God. Like, this turn that makes me not even want to get into the dating field. Because already in my mind, I'm like, I'm not going to try to get too close to this person. Because mama done said I'm going to end up sharing them anyway, whether I like it or not. So, you know, it's just, just, it's just family fun. And most importantly, it's real talk. Like, just unadulterated real talk. Like, it's just things that we discuss that um, many families, I'm sure, discuss it. But, you know, it, it, it just it just isn't recorded. Like, I had another, um, well, I haven't gotten to this one, but one I would like to talk about. And I'm not sure if you're seeing it now, but the thing that really irritates me is to see um, a mother who is well-groomed. And then she has a child who just looks like, you know, they rolled out of bed. You know, or, you know, it's, it's cold now. And I'll see a mother dressed like with the finest, you know, hat, gloves, scarves. And then you see her child here with a windbreaker on or maybe not even a coat. And that right there really irritates me. And that I'm sure will be a very powerful discussion. Mm -hmm. Right. And it will be interesting to hear what people will say about that. So I wanted to ask you, what is coming up now? Do you have another book coming out or what other projects are you working on? What what is what does the future hold for you? Um, well, well, right now, um, well, Lust Now Coralia has a sequel. Um, I actually want to make this a series. So, um, because when you think about it, really, and like what I was explaining to someone and even speaking to my publicist, these are things that, um, unfortunately, um, they aren't going to go away. You know, people will continue to be molested. You know, um, the elders, the mothers, the fathers, they'll continue to turn the blind eye. Uh, mental illness, you know, suicide, depression is, is at its highest rate. Right. Um, alcoholism is, not, if not, um, one of the strongest addictions to break. Um, bisexuality, down low, whatever you want to call it. People are still afraid to come out of the closet. You have married men who are sleeping with other men, but coming home and sleeping with their wives. And let me tell you something, Kelly. This was one of the... Um, main reasons why I wanted to write my book as well is because I have um, two friends who are gay and I remember going to a gay club with them, two males. And um, at the gay club, you know, I'm sitting there watching everyone and I see these two guys, very attractive young men in Washington, DC, dancing, bumping and grinding on men. And as soon as we left that club, we went to another club those two same gentlemen were outside trying to pick up females. And that right there told me, you know what? I have to, like, I have to write. I have to write this book. Like that right there told me, this is something that needs to be addressed ASAP. Especially at that time, they were saying over 80% of the people in Washington, DC were infected with HIV. Right. To think about how small DC is, but just still just knowing that fact right there. And then I also 
um, and this book was written way before I got um back, you know, but before I got reacquainted with my best friend. But just a little bit about him. Um, he was very promiscuous. I mean, extremely promiscuous. I mean, to the point where he would sleep with four women in one day. He had a girlfriend at home, but you know, when he left home, he would sleep with other women unprotected. You know, come home and sleep with his girl. So one day he went to a barber shop. He met a female in a barber shop. You know, he he's going off of how she looks. You know, she's the hourglass figure, beautiful shape and everything. And of course, him being a man, he approached her. And, um, you know, people were telling him, watch out for this one. Rumor is she has HIV. Watch out for this one. But because of his, you know, the sex demon, you know, I like to call it a sex demon, um, because he allowed for that to take control of him. I believe he met her on a Thursday night. And by Saturday, they were having unprotected sex. They moved in with each other. They lived with each other for two years. Throughout that whole entire two years, he's constantly having people come to him and tell him, bro, the girl is sick. I'm trying to tell you. He asked her aunt, listen, he asked her best friend, are these rumors true? They told him, listen, if they were true, trust me, I tell you, I would never let you experience that. Um, long story short, uh, he, he asked her, she said no, but then she called him at work. They lived together, mind you. And she said, you know what? I have something to tell you. The rumors you've been hearing are true. I am HIV positive. He hung up the phone, got home and he said, how long did you know this? Why didn't you tell me? She said, I was scared and I've had it for 10 years now. Wow. And, um, yeah. Wow. Yeah. That That is so, I can see why you wrote this book. I can see why the book is so powerful. Like I keep saying, I can't wait to get my hands on it. Um, we are almost out of time. So please tell everybody where they can find this book. And um, of course, all your links will be in the description of the podcast so people will be able to to catch up with you but please again tell them where you, that you they can get your book okay well you can definitely get my book from amazon um and the name of the book is called lust l-u-s-t now cry later my name is Tahani, T-A-H-A-N-E-E. You can also purchase it from my website, which is Tahani.org, T-A-H-A-N-E-E. My Instagram name is totally Tahani, all, you know, all together, no underspaces or anything. My Facebook name is Tahani Zarina. If you go um, on Barnes and Nobles, you'll be able to purchase the book from there as well. Lust, now, cry later. I'm on Twitter, totally Tahani. Um, if you Google me, uh, I'll come up on the first page. You know, it's sold in uh, Target, Walmart, you know, or you can just buy it directly from me. I'll be more than happy to autograph it for you. Special little signature in there, a little note for you. Um, I'm here, you know, um, Bedroom Busters and Bites will be returning on YouTube in January. Just go in and type in Bedroom Busters 
and bites. Um, subscribe to the channel. I promise you, you will not be disappointed. I'm working on a few um, upcoming events and, and interviews. And um, also, I just started this um, live um, live show I do every Wednesday. It's called Woke Wednesdays. It's on Instagram Live. And basically, what we do is we have people come on, um, people who we like to call woke, to share, you know, history of, of our black melanated people or just little clips and bits and pieces from documentaries just 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 giving you an awakening as to what's going on in terms of the government and covid and we like to keep people informed um also have a segment on fridays which is called the comfort zone where people are allowed to um express themselves in the dark anonymously if you know you don't want people to see your face just talk about what's bothering you you know what traumas you've gone through and then the audience will give you their opinion and we try to help each other i have a um a little um community on my website called voice where you can go on there as well it kind of works like facebook and instagram you can share stories ask questions post videos so we're all here to help one another and girl i want for everyone to feel like their words are safe when when left with me and left with my followers their words are safe here we are a no judgment zone that is so wonderful that is a lot you are a busy busy woman so i am honored i i cannot tell you again how honored i am that you have chosen to spend this hour with me i appreciate um your time is is so valuable and and you Thank do so you. much and and I just appreciate you coming on to my little podcast I and appreciate you I you know appreciate you and I would love to have you on too on one day if if whenever you're available because I think that you would be a wonderful wonderful um inspiration to people you know to hear I your- would love to I, I would love to I love to talk so oh, you me know too. me too me too. Let me tell you. Me too. I love to talk. So any way that I can help support you, I'm I'm all for it. I have your social media, you know, information. So I'm definitely gonna plug that in, you know, and, and let everyone know that they need to, you know, contact you and you know just really get on board because I think that what you're doing is a wonderful thing. I love Thank and respect you. your mission. That is all the time that we have. Thank you, everybody, so much for listening to Brightheaded Publishing Patio Book Book Club. Um, remember, we will be back next week with another episode. So until then, keep writing. Thank you. Right on, right on, guys. <laughs>